0: Welcome to The Rob Burgess Show. I am, of course, your host, Rob Burgess. On this, our 161st episode, our returning guest is Dr. Elizabeth Yuko. You first heard Dr. Elizabeth Yuko on episodes 54 and 81 of the podcast. Dr. Elizabeth Yuko is a bioethicist and writer, as well as an adjunct professor of ethics at Fordham University. She has written for print and online publications, including The New York Times, The Washington Post, The Atlantic. Rolling Stone, CNN, Fodor's, Lifehacker, Reader's Digest, and Playboy. And now, on to the show. I guess, first of all, how are you feeling? <laughs> I'm feeling fine. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I'm feeling good. Yeah. Um, thing is, right before all this happened, I was just getting over being sick. So I've actually, I'm better than i felt <laughs> in a long time, so. Oh, good. Yeah. But, um, yeah, how are things there in New York City?
1: A little weird. Um... Right. <laughs> it's I mean I haven't gone into Manhattan in about a week and a half I live in Queens and um, I had really had no reason to so I don't know what it looks like now but even about a week and a half ago I was walking through Soho and there were like no one no people around which was very unusual and uh yeah from people i I know who are still commuting into work like the subway is less crowded, the commuter trains are less crowded. So, um, yeah, that's kind of it. But, uh, I live in a building with, that's predominantly older people. And so I've been, you know, trying to, they're, they're a very friendly bunch who love to hug and kiss you. Hello and goodbye. Um, so I've been trying to stay away and, uh, yeah, I mean, the usual stuff is gone, hand sanitizer, toilet paper, but I think that's pretty much standard now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, no, I was at Target uh, the other day, and, you know, usually going with my family to Target is usually a fairly, you know, pleasant experience, you know. It's, it's you know, it's just a, it's, just a, it's not a high-stress situation, but, yeah, it's like everybody was on edge, your, your, the hand sanitizer, the toilet paper was gone. Uh, somebody would cough and like everyone's head would like whip around like to see where it was coming from Yeah. and it was just there was just a very like paranoid uh kind of feeling in the air and uh yeah it it wasn't like I didn't go shopping a whole lot today I did go to like CVS but that was about it um I was going to ask how many uh confirmed cases are there in New York City at this point
1: that is a good question I have not checked yet today um but I know between Thursday night and Friday night, it went up to, it went up by 39, no, sorry, not 39%, 30, 20% overnight. Um, so, and so I think today, New York announced the first two deaths from COVID-19. And the number of cases is now over 500.
0: Wow which you know we've everyone's been saying it but that's only because we haven't been testing people at the rate that other countries like South Korea have and we just oh, it's not that it's out that not out there it's just that we're not finding out uh, the hard numbers yet so
1: yeah and that's well first of all very frustrating but also not helpful from a public health or epidemiological perspective because without you know knowing how many people are actually infected and how they've been infected etc doesn't really help us learn anything about the situation so and then it makes people even more paranoid so if they've come back you know from an international trip in the past few days or really any air travel um a lot of people want to get tested just to make sure you know to be safe and yeah that's not that's not an option yet the the press conference i think it was either thursday or friday um I think it was yesterday, yeah, in the Rose Garden. Um, they were saying that, like, there are, they are going to try to make them, the testing more available and have a rush on orders and all of that. So that is pretty, I mean, I'll believe it when I see it, but at least we're working towards that. Whereas in the beginning, they could only go through the CDC. All test, testing has had to be done via the, C, the CDC, and also a large batch of their testing kits were faulty.
0: Uh so frustrating.
1: So, right. So in the beginning, I mean, they're, they're fixed now, but, uh, and that's kind of what prompted local health departments like here in New York and other places to create their own tests. So I know the Cleveland Clinic has developed one, uh, that was a big one I saw the other day, but yeah, so it's not just waiting for the CDC to get their act together. It's, you know, it'll be easier to test locally, hopefully pretty soon.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, but going back kind of to the beginning of all this, when did uh, COVID-19, I guess it didn't have that name at that point. It was just a, called the coronavirus. But as you pointed out in the articles that I read that you had sent me, uh, you know, there's uh, many, cro- not, man, there's more than one. It's not just the coronavirus. Yeah, I
1: mean, SARS was one, MERS was one. Right. Um, so this is just one coronavirus and the family of coronaviruses. But what makes this one different is that it's totally new and it's not something we've seen before and a lot of the precautions people are taking or advice people are giving before we have more hard data that comes out is based on how other coronaviruses uh acted but at this point we do know that it's more contagious than SARS or MERS so um yeah that's (laughs) so
0: right it's just
1: Bit of it is like a wait and see game because a lot of you know, interviews I've done or people who've asked questions you know, have all these really good, really valid questions but unfortunately because of how early everything is we just don't have actual studies or data to back it up yet so um, we have gotten some preliminary numbers out of China from the Chinese uh, CDC so we have at least that but I mean because of cultural differences, infrastructure differences, etc. I don't know. I mean, they're definitely helpful, those numbers, because they're what we have right now. But it'll be better when we have data from the United States at this point.
0: Mm -hmm. But uh, even the World Health Organization uh, praised China's efforts, at least, you know, as far as like locking things down and and being very strict. But on, on the flip side of that, you know, that's that's maybe the, the plus side of authoritarianism, if there is one, is that if you need to if you need to lock a population down, well, that's just the thing they know how to do. You know, like, like oh, you want us to quarantine and institute to, to martial law? Yes. Yes, please. Like, anything to do that. But uh, near the beginning, though, uh, the same kind of forces also stopped information from getting out that this was actually happening and and people that, like that one uh, doctor that sadly died, uh, that tried to warn everybody about this uh, in China, but was then, you know, what was he arrested for, like, spreading false gossip or something? And, and it's yeah, it's like that's the that's the other side of it is that just like Trump, you know, he wants the numbers low. So he's not ch- you're not, not getting the tests in line so the numbers won't go up. And it's just, you know, maybe at the at the at the end, end part of it, the, that's a fine way to lead. But, you know, you need to be able to have this information, Uh, be free flowing and and be able to be believed and not have it be like, Oh, I don't want to be the one to say anything.
1: Oh God. Yeah. The, how political this got so quickly was, I mean, I don't know why I expected anything else, but I thought, okay, it's like, I don't know if this is the right sports term, but like a softball pitch, like a really easy one for the president that all he had to do Mm -hmm. was like, listen to science and not be horrible. And then he comes out, you know, basically until Wednesday of this week, saying this is a democratic hoax i'm actually shaking more hands than usual um you know we're on our way out everything's gonna be fine and then at least yeah this week he's kind of turned around um if nothing else (laughs) to reflect what we know and not spread false information so that's bare minimum low benchmark good i guess um but yeah, that was that was just he's like, yep, I'm here. I've been exposed to it. I'm gonna keep shaking hands. I don't care. Democrats are making this up. So yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but speaking of misinformation, you know, there's been a lot of it uh, from the very start. Uh, what in your you know work uh, reporting on this ha- have you run into as some of the biggest misconceptions that need to be dispelled? What do people say that we just need to just just knock that down?
1: Um. So there's been a bunch of reports on boosting immunity and ways that you can like proactively help strengthen your immune system, et cetera. And while that's great in theory and, and like we would love if that works the data for things that are being recommended a lot, like vitamin C elderberry um, I can't remember another one, but um, the data on that for boosting your immune system or slowing the duration of a colder virus is not, I mean, there is some, but it's not a lot. Um, and I don't think it's enough to go by. I mean, it's, you're not going to hurt yourself by taking supplements as long as you're not taking too much of them. But I think that might give people false hope, um, or worse, much worse yet. Um, certain religious groups are promoting, uh, the MMS miracle mineral solution, which is basically bleach, uh, And, I mean, they've tried to promote this for a bunch of different things. They say it cures autism. It's, like, just this cure-all. So they're encouraging people to buy and take that. Please do not. Um, And then other groups are promoting a silver solution, which also doesn't do anything except harm you. So that's been some of them. Um, Then there have been rumors about garlic and how if you just eat a lot of garlic, you won't get it and garlic is delicious and it is good for you and it does have some antimicrobial properties but at this point we can't I mean it's probably not going to protect you from this so um yeah I see a lot of people kind of clinging to these these hopes that have no or very little research behind them so that's one thing um That's a big one. Uh, And then, yeah, the other one really, which is pretty prevalent, is that this is just this year's version of the flu and how, you know, every few years we have a bad flu and we shouldn't panic. This is just how it is. Or people using statistics saying like this many people die from uh, gun injuries every day. This many people have died from coronavirus every day. Why are we panicking about that? And that's kind of missing the point because as you mentioned, you know, we we don't actually have accurate numbers as of right now. And also, um, it's kind of two different things, monitoring the spread of disease versus like handgun deaths are, you know, two different things. So uh, yeah, that's kind of been one of them. And I know a lot of people have struggled when discussing this uh, and the severity of it with parents, grandparents, uh, elderly relatives who, well, for some reason, really are not taking this seriously at all.
0: Oh, I know. And that's so frustrating. Uh, like, even to people my age, I am having trouble convincing that this is a real thing. Ooh, that's
1: another uh, rumor that's that I've heard quite a few times, is that alcohol kills it. because oh my gosh. Because no. take this whole hand sanitizer logic and saying, oh, if it needs to be 60% alcohol in the solution then drinking alcohol probably will also help too and as of right now there is also no evidence of that um so uh yeah that's that's another fun
0: (laughs) thing that happened yeah i know um But, uh, you know, let's talk about masks because, you know, that's a big thing that people are hoarding, which is ridiculous because, I mean, you can probably explain this better than I can, but nine I, I saw an illustration that was like if 10 people are in a room and one person is sick but the nine people that aren't sick are wearing masks but the one person who is sick isn't they might as well not even be wearing masks for all the good it's going to do them because it's going to just shoot the person's going to spray you know all the stuff in the air and you're not it's not going to help you but if the one person that is sick has the mask the other nine people don't have to have masks they're not sick and then you know that'll be a better prophylactic uh, measure than, than hoarding these masks. So, when should masks be used? Should people have them at all, really? Or
1: it's really, for the average person who's not working in a healthcare facility or dealing directly with people who have the virus, no, you don't really need that. It's really just if you're ill yourself. And in the beginning, when this all started, there was a big emphasis on. N95 masks only, and everything else was useless. And then this past week, uh, the Bill de Blasio and the mayor of New York said in a press conference that at least here in New York, if you can't get an N95 mask, which you can't, uh, just like a regular surgical mask will be better than nothing if you're sick. Um, but to make sure you take all the precautions and you're putting it on and off, throw it away right away, And then once the mask gets saturated with moisture, you have to use another one. Um, So, but yeah, the one they had in the press conference was kind of your run-of-the-mill surgical mask, which is, you know, not the full N95 thing. Um, But kind of what happened at the beginning was when they put this N95 recommendation out, people panicked and bought them all up. And now there's a shortage of them for healthcare workers and other frontline workers genuinely need them.
0: hmm Yeah.
1: But that's kind of a problem.
0: I want everybody to be well if I can. I'll take enough for, for me or my family or whatever cleaning supplies or, or you know, whatever el- other supplies, but I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be the person that's going to, like, it's all for me. And then it's like, <laughs> but then everyone gets sick, you know, and it's, that doesn't help me. We're only as, as well as the sickest person that you're nearby.
1: If that is recommended to wear masks is, Caregivers of yeah. people who have it or have severe respiratory symptoms mm-hmm. because, at this point, with the lack of tests, we don't know exactly. So, yeah, right. if you're caring for someone, that's fine. But I flew about two weeks ago um, from Phoenix to New York, and the flight was completely packed. And there were so many people wearing a variety of different masks from like a cowboy bandana thing over the nose and mouth to uh, like masks you'd get from Home Depot for sandblasting or something so there was a lot of a lot of stuff out there and I am assuming most of them weren't sick it was kind of just a precaution but uh yeah it it was you could kind of feel it and that was kind of just the very beginning of it and at least we're like with all the media coverage in the United States and uh yeah everyone was wiping down their area which is not bad so I was like oh that's That's good. Let's hope we keep up these hygiene habits once this is all over.
0: Yeah, this is gonna... I'm really interested in seeing all the ways in which society does change because of this. I think hand... Uh, handshakes are are done. I think we're done with that as society. I'm glad didn't need it. <laughs> I'm done with that. Uh, a lot of other things are going to probably go by the wayside, you know. And, and working from home is probably going to finally, you know. I I I love working from home. I do it a lot. And hey, this is I'm this is my wheelhouse. Finally, <laughs> you know, <laughs> an introvert that gets to work from home and socially isolated. Worse, <laughs> where where do I go to sign up? <laughs> But um, yeah, <laughs> but one thing I wanted to talk with you about is is the idea of flattening the curve, and this is not something I had really encountered before all this happened. But but talk about that because it seems like the idea is that most people are eventually going to encounter this. So like most people are going to get sick at least at some level. Like I me, mean, you may be asymptomatic all the way to uh, you're not going to make it. But most people will probably just have it and mostly be fine if they're under a certain age and don't have immunocompromised. But, um, you know, you don't want everybody going to the hospital at the same time. So it's right. like you want you want to, like, spread that out as time goes on. Right. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah I mean, you basically explained it. <laughs> That's, mm-hmm. So normally with I'm sure everyone's probably seen the charts at this point, but with a normal trajectory of a virus like this, it goes up really quickly Stays at the top for a little while and then goes down relatively quickly. Yeah. But what we're trying to do right now is, um, yeah, as you said, flatten the curve. So make sure, like, as it's going up, level it off to a rate of, you know, being able to have people get the healthcare care they need and have hosp- enough hospital beds and respirators, rather than, you know, the steep decline, incline, and then decline where which is kind of what we saw in Italy, where they just ran out of beds, they ran out of equipment and ran out of care workers because they were getting sick, too. So the idea here is that um, more people could potentially live who get infected if we have the resources available.
0: Right, but there does seem to be a sort of kind of blasé attitude. At least uh, I've heard from the UK, at least, or maybe it's just Boris Johnson. I'm not sure if it's the whole government, but uh, that seem to be take the uh, approach of let it run its course. We can't stop it. It's too late to contain it. Let's just let's just buckle down and go through it the best we can, and it'll probably we'll all get herd immunity, and then you know everything will be fine. Uh, I mean, that doesn't seem like a great plan, but
1: no, it's very. It's very weird for us to have this type of large scale public health situation where we might feel fine, but, you know, that's not the reason we're staying in or instructed to stay in or skip events or not fly, et cetera. And that I have found it to be really difficult for people to wrap their heads around. And so in public health ethics, the concept is, yes, you're going to have to limit your personal autonomy and things might not be ideal for your lifestyle right now, but you're doing it for the greater good, the popula- you know, health of the population, et cetera. So, um, but we're just not used to limiting our autonomy in any way. We want to do what we want when we want it. And so the idea of canceling plans or canceling vacations, just you know, if you're feeling healthy or you're young, you have low odds of dying from it you know, just to help other people is pretty foreign to us. So yeah, that's kind of tricky. Like you have all the kids going on spring break. who are like, we don't care <laughs> if we die. At least I'll die in Palm Beach or not. It's not a Daytona beach. Um, <laughs> and we're like, no, that's not the point. You could be an asymptomatic carrier. You can from right. one person to another on the plane without even realizing it. So um, yeah, it's, it just, it's it's a shifted our mindset to be thinking about the health of others and the general population alongside ourselves or, you know, putting yourself behind that. So that's just not what we're used to at all.
0: Yeah, and it's like uh I keep people here uh, hear people saying, "Oh, well, I'm I'll I'll probably be fine. I'm in the good demographics." And it's like, "Well, thank goodness. I don't know anyone that is. Wait a second. It's like <laughs> most of the people I'm related to uh, could I could put in one of the two or both categories, immunocompromised or over a certain age." And it's like uh, you, you know, I don't want to get them sick. So yeah, I'm going to try to like keep myself healthy and I have two kids, so that's, that's always a challenge, <laughs> but, right. um, uh, but, uh, you know, I've already had hand, foot and mouth disease actually when I used to be a teacher. So I don't know, maybe that <laughs> granted me some kind of something, <laughs> <God>. but, um, <laughs> maybe not, but, uh, but what, it, uh, what do we know about, I know you you you've said it's early yet. <clears throat> um, but what do we know about, uh, your immunity to it? once you, say you do get it, it runs its course. Is it, are you good? You don't have to worry about it anymore? You're, you're immune from it now that you've had it? Or, or is it going to be like the flu every year and it's going to, I guess we don't know, but I mean, yeah. what would you say? So
1: that's, yeah, so that's too early to tell, unfortunately. We do know from other coronaviruses that once you get it, you're usually immune after that. But um, I think there've been a few cases of testing people who had it And then thought it was finished and they still had the virus, but that's not really clear whether they actually were over it or if it came back or what, you know, what's happening with that. So that is something people are keeping a very close eye on because that's going to be really important.
0: Mm hmm. Um, kind of switching gears a little bit, but just to the aspect of just being inside a lot uh, and away from other people, you wrote a thing about kind of dealing with mental health uh, when you're when you're kind of going through this. Um, what kind of challenges are people facing who you know do struggle with with those kind of things, even under the best, even under non-pandemic circumstances?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, well, speaking as a person with generalized anxiety disorder and depression. Um, this is not feeling great right now because (laughs) the way my brain is wired, I'm always catastrophizing and always thinking of the worst case scenario and, you know, in some sort of weird attempt to try to prepare myself for it if it actually happens. And so being inundated with this type of news, as well as writing this type of news has been a little nerve wracking. Um, at the same time, it does help me feel more in control about things. Because, you know, when I read about facts and read about what we know, it at least feels like I'm and I know that I'm doing everything I personally can by self-isolating as much as possible, washing my hands constantly, sanitizing everything and knowing that I in my very, very limited capacity of doing everything I can do also makes me feel a little bit better. Um, but yeah, I know a lot of people who are really struggling with it. And, um, yeah, I mean, some of the mental health experts I spoke with uh, suggesting suggested making sure you keep in touch with people. If you are, you know, have a usual Wednesday night dinner or trip to the bar, then continue with those type of plans just using FaceTime or Skype, something like that, um, checking in on people. So just, yeah, trying to do what you can not to be completely isolated. Or if you are a part of a religion, a lot of religious groups are now live streaming their services, and some of them are also, I think, doing like talks with a rabbi, or, you know, the priest talking to people about, you know, faith and community and everything. So for people who find a lot of support in their religious communities, uh, there are things that are being done to help you know, people be able to keep up with their faith and with their religious community while being at home.
0: Yeah. And that was another thing I was going to ask you about, of course, is the other article you, you sent me about the, uh, religious aspect of it. And, uh, it's an, obviously, like you said, it's another way that people stay connected. Um, and that's another element of life that has to change during times like this. And then, you know, kind of talk a little bit about some of the steps that these places of worship and, uh, you know, people, religious leaders are, are, are saying about that?
1: Yeah. So in cases like, uh, I'm most familiar with Catholicism and, and Judaism. And in both cases there are rituals and traditions that are not great from a public health perspective. So, you know, you enter a Catholic church, there's a little, uh, you know, container of Holy water. As you walk in, you dip your fingers in that, then you literally touch your face with mm-hmm. this water that a, A lot of other people have touched and then you put it directly on your face. Not great. So um, a lot of churches have suspended that they just took the holy water out and that's, you know, not part of it anymore. Um, On the Jewish side, the um, kissing the Torah during procession and certain prayers has now been stopped. Um, During the prayers where you cover your eyes with your hands. They have been instructed just to, you know, close your eyes in general and, you know, not touch your face. Um, and that was kind of something as I was re- writing that. I'm like, wow, there are so many religious traditions that involve touching your face. Mm-hmm. Um, so or even like, you know, the, this uh, what do you call it? Sign of peace, shaking hands with people or holding hands during the Lord's Prayer. Those are things that are are not happening now. And um Yeah, and I don't know what's going to stick and what's not going to stick after, you know, this is all over. But, um, yeah, that's interesting. And then some of the mosques in America are... um, The directive, officially, is to stay open until their local public health department says no gatherings or no gatherings over a certain number of people. Um, But at that point, they would be able to do their... Juma, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, prayers at home. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Those are kind of yeah. all that are being that are being done. And, yeah, I mean, everyone I spoke with said, you know, if it comes to the point where the local government says you need to shut down, they will absolutely shut down. Um, but because we've seen spread based on religious gatherings already, uh, first with a church in Washington, D.C., where uh, at this point, there are three confirmed cases, the one of the reverends, the organist, and at least one parishioner. And um, yeah, so we, we've seen that it could spread in conditions like that. And then there's a synagogue in New Rochelle, which is the largest cluster in, of cases in the United States, um, uh, who, yeah, so there's a synagogue that has a lot of, I don't know what the exact figures are now. The last ones I found where 100 families were potentially exposed to it and if been asked mm-hmm. to quarantine. The rabbi has it. Um, the second case that was reported at all in New York City uh, was a congregant to the synagogue. So um, yeah, there's, it's, it re- they really are great places for germs to spread and viruses to spread. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, yeah, I'm glad they're taking this type of action.
0: Yeah. And it's like I, I again, like I, I touched my face earlier when you were talking. I was like, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it's one of those you know things you don't think about, or at least I didn't really before. And now it's like I just ever I'm so aware of, of every time I think about doing it. Uh, it's yeah. it's insane. But like uh, religion is a very physical, you know, at least worship, a lot of worship things are are very physical and i saw a lot of people like oh how good those people in iran was that what was the thing where they you you lick the thing isn't that something uh, religious that they that they do there they they have a uh, some sort. Of, I don't know what it is. Anyway, it, it was some something that they were, they came in close contact with an artifact of some kind. And it's like, well, I remember all the communions I had as a kid, where you're like literally like drinking and eating from the same you know thing. Oh God, yeah, <laughs>
1: That's, I forgot about the chalice. Yeah, those are. Oh dunking.
0: yeah. Well, I grew up Episcopalian, so it's I I'm Diet Catholic, but uh, you know you get the idea. Is that the one
1: where you dunk the communion communion in the wine?
0: Uh, you can. Uh, I think, uh, it's optional, at least, at least the services I was uh, raised in, uh, you could either dunk it, uh, and just, just drink or not, you you would, you would dunk it and that would be in lieu of you drinking from it. Uh, but like you could just take, take swigs from it and I guess they would wipe it down, but it was just like, it was just like a cloth, you know, in between people. It's not really like a, you know, Lysol (laughs) spray every time. So, um. Yeah, but it's like yeah, but you say you mentioned the holy water, and it's just uh, without when you take away those little little things, it does I think affect people a lot because they, I'm sure that's part of what you get out of that experience. Your religious experience is the is the physicality of it.
1: Yeah, so. and rituals and schedules and any sort of structure makes a lot of people feel more comfortable than you know chaos or even just like a lack of of ritual or schedule. So you're you're totally right, that just by taking these small measures, it's making their usual experience a little bit different.
0: Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, this is not exactly the same, of course, but uh, I have friends that follow sports <laughs> and, uh, they, uh, they're, they're kind of, they seem like they're a little bit lost in in the weeds right now. <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, they don't, they don't have that stabilizing, you know, I never, I never, I don't care about sports, but you know, I understand why they do. It's, it's, uh, you know, they look forward every year to the March madness or the NBA finals or, or whatever. And. It's just, it's just done, not there. Uh, so that's kind of another little ritual that, you know, I think, I think people will start once this, you know, who knows how long it's going to last, but once those things start to come back, that's when people will start, I think, coming back online with, you know, just this general anxiety that's going on. Cause it's like, wow, there's no March madness. You know, what world are we living in? <laughs> not, it, it's to me, it's like, okay, whatever. I wasn't going to watch anyway. So now I don't have to pretend to know who to, the teams. Yeah. So, uh, I had the opportunity before uh, we got on to ask uh, some of my friends what they would ask uh, about this. And I wanted to pull some of those up and, and ask you here uh, because I think uh, people just, you know, there is a lot of just generalized anxiety and this is a new thing. And uh, there's a lot of, facebook memes as you pointed out and then you know people are drinking bleach and and things so we need to we need to calm people down a little bit and uh get some facts out there uh yeah yeah that's from a doctor people so listen (laughs) listen to that (laughs) this isn't isn't just speculation here (laughs) what are your best guesses for the coronavirus news updates for april 14th may 14th and june 14th
1: oh my god do they have special plans on the 14th of every month?
0: I don't know. I guess that's because it's today. fourteenth. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe they'd have something as a 14th. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's a very specific question. Um, God, I, I wish I had a better idea. I'm hopeful that what happened in Italy is not going to happen here because a lot of places did take action before Italy did at the point where we're at right now. So... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think China now says that it's on the cases are on the decline now. And that's been the first case was December 31st, but I don't know when it started getting really bad in China. Um, God, I don't know. I think April 14th, things will still be pretty unsure. It'll I mean, if we're coming out of it, that's great. But I don't know if that's the case. Uh, I do think it'll probably get worse in terms of number of cases, uh, both actually that we know, but also the number, like once we have more testing kits, the numbers will go up a lot because we can test people. Um, And then May and June, I don't, I really don't know. This could really go anywhere. I mean, I hope by May we're kind of back to normal and, um, you know, not, doing this forever but uh yeah just total guesses
0: yeah absolutely um what are you personally doing in your own home uh to keep from getting sick like what i I, you mentioned a couple of them i think just cleaning but is there anything else that you're doing differently than you usually do um
1: not really i am much more there are days when i don't leave my apartment building Mm. um and i just don't have a need to and even when I go down to get my mail I'm like as soon as I come back I'm very cautious about that because who knows who's touched the mailboxes or you know anything like that so that's kind of one thing that I've been I've been extra cautious about not because I think it's living on the mail but more interacting with people in the lobby touching the you know the communal mailbox area um yeah I don't know I it well I usually I've been working from home for almost a year, about 10 months now. So that as- that part's different, not different, except for I usually would work from the library or from a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. And I'm not doing that now, but also feel guilty about not supporting local businesses. I know. I, there's- know. I feel now. so bad
0: about that kind of stuff. <laughs>
1: so some people have suggested buying gift cards mm-hmm. to the places that you would normally go and, you know, just making sure they have some sort of income now, and then you could spend them later once this is all done. So I might try to do that, um, which normally I wouldn't. Um, But, yeah, I normally at least go out walking more than I've been doing. And part of that's not so much quarantine. It's just that I've been extremely busy this past week with kind of everything. And uh, so, yeah, I've been taking more time to do stretching at home, uh, some, like, youtube workout videos that are free just to kind of get myself moving um in lieu of you know walking long distances in manhattan um yeah i think those are kind of the the main ones and then yeah i've been i normally cook a lot but i've been cooking even more and then also feeling guilty about that for you know not supporting people but um
0: yeah, yeah, this is yeah. This is really just awakened all the worst things that I was trying to get away from. Like, I felt bad about using the self-checkout at the store, and I'm like, I'll find an open lane. And then somebody, no, I'm not saying all cashiers do this, but this one definitely did. Licked her fingers before she opened the bag to put my bag, my food in the bag. I was like, no bag, please. I was just like, I'm using a machine from now on. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but- I mean, and I didn't want to like make a scene, but it's like, ah, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> and then, you know, I want to like, you know, like you said, so local restaurants. I use uh, nothing I love more than going to a Mexican restaurant and reading a book. I can't do that anymore. I can't go to a Starbucks or a coffee shop and work anymore. That's out. Uh, but I feel bad because I want to support places like that because this is when they need us the most. But you're right, gift cards are probably a good idea. Other small businesses are hurting, I'm sure. So, um, what about, like, delivery? Like, how safe is that? Like, food, packages, anything? Because, like, we have Amazon Prime. And I want to just, like, Amazon Prime a bunch of stuff going forward. But I'm like, I don't know. Like, is that even safer? I mean, I don't know. What do you think?
1: Um, so we just are the very beginning of understanding how long it stays on different surfaces. So there was a study that was published this week where they basically took some of the virus and sprayed it on a bunch of different surfaces to see how long it could stay. Unfortunately, cardboard wasn't one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of one, they have like a list of things they're going to, you know, be testing soon. Um, I spoke to one doctor in Florida who did a presentation for their local post office and like FedEx people. And he suggested spraying the packages down just as out of an abundance of caution Just because we don't know, even though it's highly, highly unlikely that, you know, packages would be infected with something. He just thought, like, it takes two seconds. I'll just do it. And, you know, if it's pointless, it's pointless. But at least I've taken that precaution. Um, But, yeah, that's kind of uh, what were the other surfaces? The worst ones uh, in the survey or in the study were stainless steel and plastic where the virus lasted up to three days but could possibly last longer because this is just one very small study. Um, and then uh, copper did much better. That went away within a few hours, which makes sense since you have you know copper IUDs and it's used sometimes in other medical things. Uh, but yeah, we're kind of still figuring out how long you're going to stay on packages and stuff like that. As of now, the WHO says that that's like a very minor threat if any so that should be fine um I mean whenever I do open a package I do you know make sure to wash my hands right away and you know put the box in the recycling room right away rather than just like opening something throwing on the, the box on the floor and then waiting um and with like takeout delivery um yeah, I, that, I'm, I'm so conflicted because, you know, in all the lists of things that you could do to help people like ordering delivery is on there. Um, but yeah, you really don't technically know how their hands wearing the food, not so much the delivery person, but you know, who's making it, who's packaging it. Right, and right. I mean, ideally in a perfect world, we'd have perfect hand hygiene in every restaurant all the time. Um, but yeah, that's I I personally haven't ordered delivery yet, but I also bought way too much food the other day. So I've been
0: like I did working too. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um if I get sick, how long should I expect to be sick for?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. We just heard from a woman this week who was infected in Washington State. So she was only sick for a few weeks, but I don't know, you know, she was a younger person. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it depends on your age and your health. So if you're a non-smoker young person without a compromised immune system in generally good health, it should be hopefully within two weeks. But beyond that, um, once the symptoms start developing into what looks like pneumonia, that's when things get a little trickier. That's when people have to go to the hospital so, um, yeah, but at this point, it looks like it's it's not more than a few weeks to run its course.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, well, this is a, a question uh, just for me, but, like, how guilty should I feel for not, like, utilizing every second I'm trapped in my house? Like, people are always like, you know, Shakespeare wrote King Lear when he was uh, in uh, isolation for the plague and uh, you know, the, the, there's the Decameron or whatever of the, uh, the, the black plague. And it's like, it's just so much like, if you're any kind of like creative type person and you're not like, like you're composing your masterwork right now, it's kind of like you're wasting your golden opportunity. You always talk about wanting to go on a retreat. Well, here's your retreat. Yeah. <laughs> it's like,
1: <laughs> yeah. And I fell into that mindset trap as well. I thought, You know, like, oh, okay, I have a book proposal that is three and a half years overdue at this point. (laughs) Very, very overdue. Um, And I'm like, yes, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. But what happens is um, I've been getting, I have my normal kind of anchor clients and workload that I, you know, my normal work for every day. And then I've been getting a lot of Corona related assignments. So that's kind of on top of that. And then I'm kind of fielding phone calls from friends and family about how seriously they should take this, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, like most days I'll start working around seven in the morning and usually don't finish up until around midnight. And so just like what I need to do or, you know, talking to people. So, yeah, this proposal is probably not going to (laughs) happen until, I mean, the media coverage right now is really interesting because some publications – are done with coronavirus coverage and they have all the assignments out, covered all the angles they want to cover. So they don't want to cover anything else, but then we're also like, Oh no, we're not really taking pitches right now. So that's kind of one side of things. And you have other publications that have just gone full steam ahead and have a lot of coronavirus uh, content and, you know, are churning it out every day, looking for new angles that sort of thing. So, um, and travel writing is pretty much on hold right now, um, which is annoying. I don't do a lot of travel writing, but I do a decent amount. And places that I've pitched and published in the past have just said, like, we're on hiatus for now. So, um, that's kind of frustrating. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if I'll get to do that. I did, I mean, not deep clean my apartment, but just, like, get all the crap off the floor. I did that. <laughs> at least so because that was making it much i mean feel much worse about it i was just surrounded by piles i had like two suitcases that were still packed from previous strips just laundry on the floor so yeah it, i do feel much better now that things are at least a little bit in order and it just feels mm-hmm. a little less chaotic
0: yeah well right before all this happened we moved to a new apartment and also uh we're gonna have our third child at the end of april so <laughs> hope what everything is- works out- <laughs> Yeah, no, it's gonna be a little girl. Aww, it's gonna be crazy. (laughs) That we're on. Uh, but, yeah, it's uh, we, I, I've been so busy. I've, I have I feel like I should be, like, composing my, my masterwork of, of some kind. And and meanwhile, I'm screwing a crib together. I'm just, like, I'm doing this best I can. So I haven't had, you know, people talk about, you know, going stir-crazy or just having nothing to do. Or I, I haven't haven't experienced that part of it yet. Maybe I'll get there one day, but I doubt it. So. That's
1: exactly what I'm watching on Netflix. I'm like, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> all day <laughs> <was> I, time. <laughs> to,
0: like,
1: start working and then work till I go to bed so it's yeah right. uh, but I think we also need to as cliche, cliche as the sounds be kind to ourselves and have and that could add to your to someone's anxiety this kind of idea that we should be using all of this time and you know we should clean our closets or you know write our b- book proposal or you know whatever you need to do um but if you're feeling really anxious that's you know we don't need another thing to be anxious about so I kind of took of it in terms of making it through a day by day getting done what I absolutely have to get done and then focusing on self-care for the rest of the time which unfortunately now I've just been sleeping <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's at this point, we definitely don't need something else to be anxious about. So, um, yeah, if people are feeling that way, I would encourage them to kind of put things in perspective, realize that this is, this is not a retreat. A retreat is something you do willingly and, you know, usually in a nice place, not your own apartment. And part of that idea is, you know, getting in a different physical space to hopefully get in a different mind space. But no, when you're at your same desk that you work at every day. It's, you know, doesn't have the same effect. So don't, don't, definitely don't beat yourself up about it.
0: <laughs> well, fair enough. Well, that's, that's good to hear. Um, but, uh, yeah. What are you writing good books lately? I mean, I might have more time to read soon, I bet, but. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, currently I'm reading a book, uh, on the history of vaudeville. Oh. Um, are in, I can't remember what it's called. Um, yellow though and so that's that's been really interesting because that's come up a lot in my pop culture articles throughout the years is kind of uh roots of entertainment and vaudeville etc so that's kind of what i'm currently reading um but uh yeah unfortunately most of the books i read are for work purposes i can't remember the last time i read something that was like purely for fun
0: (laughs) well fair enough yeah um well we've uh probably won't be going record record shopping for a while, but uh we did just get a record player, so I have a bunch of old records I've been going through too so that's been fun to to kind of listen back to all those with my kids so uh, but uh have you been listening to any music lately you want to recommend
1: uh sure yeah um my I kind of fluctuate between work music that I have on in the background sometimes I like um the like Baroque classical music Mm -hmm. I think that's like because some classical music is very slow and I mean beautiful but not conducive to working when I hear like those jaunty little (laughs) little numbers um, (laughs) that kind of fall into the Baroque category it's like a little more lively and kind of makes me feel like I you know can get work done and then uh Pandora came on my TV automatically so I've just been using that uh, instead of other things, but I, so I listen to the Baroque Classical Music Channel, um, a channel based on Gershwin music because I think that's also good for working. Um, my most recent discovery and has been playing nonstop is the '60s French pop radio station, mm. um, where yeah, it's all '60s French pop music and. Uh, the 60s are usually are usually my decade of choice between that and the 90s. So it's been interesting to hear like the same type of songs but in a different language and also just different songs. So that's been really good. And then kind of my go-to comfort stations are 90s pop and 90s alternative so those are nice. but yeah so if you're looking for new music recommendations i am not great at that um <laughs> I think the last album i purchased i don't know i did buy lizzo that was oh nice yeah that's like the last one i actually uh i got of new music but yeah i'm kind of terrible at keeping up with that
0: yeah, uh, no, my uh, my kids go absolutely crazy for the Lizzo Tiny Desk concert. Like they they know every word, surprisingly, <laughs> and uh, every move. And, and my daughter just throws her head back at the end of the song, and it's it's yeah, it's crazy, it's it's a lot of fun. So I'm definitely on that uh, as well. She's she's very extremely talented. So. Um, but, uh, yeah, well, Hey, thank you so much for taking so much time to talk to me. Uh, and, uh, this is just something that's been on my mind and I haven't really talked about it yet, but so I wanted to talk about it with you since you seem like, you know, what you're talking about, (laughs) so (laughs) I appreciate you sharing your, uh, your wisdom and and everything. And I hope everything, uh, works out, uh, in the, in the coming days to stay safe and, and stay, you know, healthy in any way you can. yeah, it's it's going to take a lot to get through this, but I'm I'm confident we will. And actually, I think a lot of positive things are going to come out of this as far as like people finding a renewed sense of community. Because I think there was kind of a worry I felt in the last few years where it's like people are so getting in their own bubbles and stuff. But it's like this is one thing that does, it's affecting everybody. And it's one of those cases where it's like everybody's going through it. And I feel, I feel like even though it's kind of pretty jaunty right now, and, and, and I'm also feeling very anxious, of course, but I think on the, on the flip side of that, you know, since we're all feeling the same way, the, the upside would be if we could all, you know, find some sense of community coming out of this and see that we really have just each other and that's it. So
1: yeah, definitely.
0: that's, that's, that's as hopeful as I get. So I hope that was, yeah, that I was good that enough. So is, Yeah. Looking
1: at the, And the positive things, um, yeah, for me, the big one is hoping that people's attitudes towards public health change a little bit and they start taking this more seriously and realizing it's not all about you. Um, Yeah. So, yes, that's a good way to end things is looking towards the positive things that could happen as a result of the outbreak
0: maybe not so much casual touching (laughs) on the streets maybe going forward but other than that the sense of community the the intrinsic (laughs) thing but uh anyway uh thank you so much and uh yeah i'll talk to you soon okay great (laughs) have have a good night